What are you guys saying? Welcome back to episode three of the Basketball Junkies podcast. It's your host, Sadie K, and I'm with the one and only Slim H. What up, what up, everyone? It's your boy, Slim H. We got a big podcast on deck as we break down a crazy trade trade deadline that just happened. Thanks for the support, as always, and let's get to it. Yeah, I know. As Hayden just mentioned, there was a record-breaking trade deadline day. 46 players were traded. To be honest, I didn't realize that many players were traded. But then I looked into it, and it's because in some of these deals, a lot of like no-name players that people might not know about were included in deals. For example, when Daniel Tice was traded from the Celtics to the Bulls, it was seven players in that deal. Who are the other six players? No one really cares. So I'm not even going to bring up their names. But as many of you guessed it, we're going to talk a lot of post-deadline outlooks. We're going to talk about winners. We're going to talk about losers. We're going to give our predictions, what games we're looking at for this episode. But before we get started, I got to go off on a little rant. The new, not even the New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, they recently signed LaMarcus Aldridge from the buyout market. He was waived by the Spurs. And look, I have no issue with players playing where they want, but I do have an issue when players are stacking teams. If I'm Kevin Durant, no part of me wants LaMarcus Aldridge to join this team or Blake Griffin. If I care about my legacy, why would I want to stack my team so that it's so unfair other teams in the East can't even compare? They can't compete. I used to think the Sixers were going to stand a chance. But now with the additions of Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, bro, what I'm, we might as well stop doing podcasts because everyone know what, knows what the outcome is going to be at the end of the year. They have 41 all-star appearances between the five of them. LaMarcus Aldridge is averaging 13.7 points per game, the lowest since his rookie year, 4.5 rebounds per game, the lowest in his career ever. He's shooting 46% from the field, 36% from three. I don't care. You're adding a vet who knows how to play the game of basketball. It's not fair. You can't have stacking teams. When I grew up watching basketball, we had one star on every team. Then 07-08, the big three that was formed in the Celtics, KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. Look, I used to say LeBron started the first big three, but I looked at it. Before they all joined together, they were all averaging 20 plus points per game. In 0607. In 0708, they joined together, they won a championship. Then LeBron formed his big three, yada yada. It's history now. The KD does the weakest move ever by a superstar. Look, I just have a problem because we'll never be able to actually evaluate some of these players. Like, will I ever know if KD was that good that he could be like LeBron, put him on a team and he'll bring you to the finals? I'll never know. I won't ever be able to judge Steve Nash as a coach because he's just stacked with talent. I just know he's a personality manager because those players are too good. They'll figure it out. It's to me, it's really ruining the game of basketball. It gets my blood boiling thinking about it. I don't know why. Why as a superstar do you think you need to make your team stacked? This isn't the dream team. This isn't the Olympic team. This is the NBA. You want to have competition. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Ooh, it gets me boiling. Wow. Sad you come out with the guns blazing right off the bat. Uh, I think you and a lot of people I see on the internet, you guys got to stop crying so much. Like, they're washed, let's be honest. They're they're washed. Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, they're pretty washed, especially on the defensive end. They're not going to be able to guard anyone, especially come playoff time for a Nets team. That's They got the offense down pat. They don't need any more offense. They need defense. Uh, they need a rim protector. LaMarcus Aldridge, he might be able to protect the rim a bit still. Blake Griffin can't guard anyone. So like, I'm not too worried about these additions. They'll be able to get probably some big buckets. Uh, it's nice to have two vets, I guess, for offensive, offensive purposes, but on the defensive side, they're not going to be able to guard anyone. And I do figure... You're gonna say you're gonna think I'm crazy a little bit, but I do think it hurts him a bit also, because I'm really high on a guy named not many people even know this guy, a guy named Nicholas Claxon, who I think is gonna be a star in this league at one point, an all-star down the league. Not right now, but five, six years. 
this guy is going to be he's going to be really really good and he hasn't played too much DeAndre Jordan uh he was getting 25 to 30 minutes a game throughout the season but since Kevin Durant's injury Claxton's been averaging more minutes especially during the crunch time than uh Jordan and Steve Nash is realizing how great this guy is on defense I was watching the Portland Trailblazers versus Nets game last week and this guy was in crunch time, guarding Dame Lillard, shutting them down. Like, this guy is a legit defender. I think he's the key to this Nets team if they want to make it fire in the postseason. He's got to get at least 25 to 30 minutes in the postseason. So that's why I'm looking at, there's going to be expectations, especially from the media, on a young coach like Nash to play these vets like LaMarcus and Blake Griffin in the playoffs. So I'm, and like I said, they're not going to be very good defensively. For a team that needs defense, they need Claxton on the court. So I'm worried that pressure gets in Steve Nash and he starts playing them in the postseason, more minutes than Claxton. I think this guy has to be the starting center come playoff time. I think he's got to play 25 to 30 minutes if this team wants oh to make a fire in the playoffs. My, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yo, this is an announcement to everyone who's listening. I am taking applications for a new co-host. This guy just told me Nicholas Claxton, a no-name in the league, is going to be an all-star one day. Bro, this guy's going to be a bootleg Hassan Whiteside. What are you talking about, man? All this not... Yo, bro. Anyways, I know there is a lot of emphasis on championships nowadays, but I don't feel like if... I feel like if you win a championship in this way, it's it's voided. It's just like if Charles Barkley won a championship with the Rockets when he went ring chasing. It it doesn't or if when Malone went ring chasing with the Lakers, it doesn't help your legacy in one bit cuz you weren't a key member in winning that championship. It's ruining the game of basketball. There's nothing that makes this exciting. I'm going to watch these games and I'm going to be like, "Oh my god, look at this young Sixers team doing this and that." But I know in the back of my mind the Nets are going to slap the living bleep out of them. I think another issue with the, with the ring chasing is that a lot of fans and media, it's all about rings for them. When you go look at LeBron before he won his first ring, it was all about, oh, MJ's got six rings. He's all, he'll always be better. LeBron wins his first ring. Oh, MJ's got six. Until LeBron gets six, he'll never... A lot of fans, he's just not good enough. It's all about rings for a lot of fans in the media. And they push that narrative a lot. So I think a lot of the ring chasing, you got to understand, LaMarcus and Blake, they're in... They got two, three, three years left probably in the league. They just want to have that feeling of winning the ring. They want a ring. Especially no. on the Hall of Fame resume. You look at a guy like Kyle Lowry, he was borderline Hall of Fame. I wouldn't have put him in the Hall of Fame before he won his ring. Now he's, in most people's eyes, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. For me, I'm still a little in the air. But if you add a ring to LaMarcus, you add a ring to Blake, they're they're getting in the Hall of Fame easily. So they got to win a ring, and that's what they want. This is the best chance to win a ring, they feel like. So I don't blame them for trying to chase a ring. Okay, look, I'm not going to go off on a rant about Kyle Lowry and why he is a Hall of Famer. But the only point I will say is when they won a championship, Kyle Lowry was a key factor. He was the leader of that team when they were interviewed by Rachel Nichols after they won a championship. Him and Kawhi were sitting there and they said a lot of things didn't come out during their season. Everything stayed in-house. That's because of Kyle Lowry's leadership. They had a new coach, a rookie coach that wouldn't have been possible without Kyle Lowry. He changed the entire culture of that franchise. Anyways, my blood's boiling. We have a long episode ahead. I don't want to talk your ear off about the Nets. So I dropped an IG post on our IG page of who I thought the overall winners of the trade deadline were. To me, the biggest winner out of all this are the Denver Nuggets. Last year, they had success in the bubble when they had Mason Plumlee coming off the bench, Jeremy Grant coming off the bench. People are going to be like, oh, who's Mason Plumlee? He's ass. I'm going to be like, you know what? He played defense. 
He averaged seven points per game for them. He was a willing passer. He brought energy, something they don't have this year. They have Jamichael Green, a bootleg Pat Patterson. So adding JaVale McGee will be a nice replacement for them. He plays defense. He has championship pedigree. People are going to be like, he's dumb. But you know what? The dude has, what, three rings now? He's legit, right? And then their biggest pickup, of course, is Aaron Gordon for Gary Harris and RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton is a young, up-and-coming player. I think he has a lot of potential, but to me, this is a huge upgrade. Paul Millsap, he's having a very down year. He's averaging less than 10 points per game. He's shooting under 70% from the free throw line, five rebounds, 38% from three in 23 minutes per game. Aaron Gordon actually provides them a solid three-point shooter. He's shooting 37.5 from three this year. That's a career high. He actually also helps with their defense, in my opinion, allowing MPJ to switch onto wing players instead of having to guard fours. To me, this is this is a game changer in the West. They smell blood. They made the right moves. Their potential death lineup, in my opinion, Murray. Then you can sub in Will Barton or Monte Morris. Then you have MPJ, Gordon, and Jokic. The scary hours, my guy. The scary hours. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big pickup. Just going back on Wash Power Forward. Yeah, you can definitely add uh, Paul Mills up to that uh, lineup because yeah, he's been he's been pretty bad ever since they signed him. He, his first season, he got injured, and ever since then, he's never been the same player. He's been a pretty, I'd say, a pretty big disappointment for a team that was looking for a kind of a. A tweener, small ball center who can play make a bit. And that's what they're getting in Aaron Gordon. And I think it's a, a really great pickup for the team. That And it's, it's a win now move. I love it. They didn't give up too much. Uh, Gary Harris, while he was a very good defender, uh, he hasn't been, he got injured a couple years ago and he's never been the same offensively. He hasn't been able to create offense or hit even open shots. And while Archer Hampton was a young, probably he's going to be a good player uh, down the road. Uh, he's not going to com- not going to contribute this year, and this is their window. This is they smell blood. Uh, they beat the Clippers last year. Lakers are injured this year. This is their one of the best chance to wins this year. So uh, I love the move for them. Uh, I am worried about the defense a bit. Uh, like I mentioned, Gary Harris, he's he was a big, big, big impact on their defense uh, in the bubble last year, especially against the Clippers. Guarding uh, the the guards, uh, also in the sometimes he can even guard wing players such as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I do worry about the defense. Who's going to replace him? You mentioned Monte Morris. Like that's not going to. That's not going to do too much. Jamal Murray is not a great defender. MPJ, he's a terrible defender. He's improving slowly, but he's still pretty bad defensively. So I do worry about the defense, especially against the guards. If Steph Curry can make the playoffs or if uh, Damian Lillard, uh, who's going to guard that, him in the stretch? Who's going to guard him in the fourth quarter? Once it's Dame Dollar time, uh, I worry about that. But I don't know about you, but I do think it's a good pickup. But I do worry about the defense a bit. Will Barton will guard him, okay? You know what? What did you say last week? If you can score 140 points per game, you can beat anybody right who needs defense this nba doesn't need defense to me another sneaky sneaky couple winners to me were the sixers and the heat because they didn't leverage their future for kyle lowry kyle lowry was in all sorts of trade rumors this week and the trade that was proposed from the sixers to the raptors was matisse teibel tyrese maxi and a couple first round picks to me that would have been a terrible trade for them to win now i think they have the right pieces and they got george hill and they didn't leverage their future george hill is a solid backup option from kyle lowry he's averaging 12 points per game but it's not about george hill's numbers it's more about the intangibles he brings a solid veteran presence he's been with the bucks the last couple playoff runs he's a shooter he can run the offense when ben simmons isn't on the floor and when players like shake milton aren't are flustered you Bring in George Hill. I think he was a solid addition. I think the Sixers made the right move. Yes, as a Raptors fan, I would have wanted to get some assets for Kyle Lowry because he's probably gone at the end of the year. But I think for the Sixers, this was a great move for them. 
sneaky, sneaky, sneaky pickup in George Hill. I already gave my take on the Nets, but if there is a number two in the East right now, it is the Sixers. Yeah, he'll, he ain't no Lowry, but he's a solid, solid pickup for them. Uh, he'll give you, shouldn't be playing more than 15 minutes in the playoffs, but in those 15 minutes, you're going to get a steady point guard presence who's been there before, lots of playoff experience. So I think it's a good pickup. And I, like you mentioned, the asking price for Lowry, that's just, that's crazy. And it's a good thing they didn't trade away the future for Lowry. He's not, I don't think he's that much of an impact player. Obviously, he would have been a good, a good get, but to trade Maxi, Fiable, and two free first round draft picks, that's too much, especially for possibly a one year, oh, one playoff rental. Yeah, but moving on, I think the Miami Heat were my winners of the trade deadline. They traded Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 first round draft pick swap for Vicky Oladipo. Basically, they're getting Oladipo, who's a bona fide low tier all star level player when he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy for long, but he's shown flashes this year in Houston that he's getting healthy and he's going to have, I think he's going to have a major impact on this team. And the biggest thing is they gave up nobody for him. They basically got him for free. They gave Kelly Olenek, who was playing 25, 30 minutes a game for them. Wasn't having the biggest impact, but it wasn't a big loss for them. They traded Avery Bradley. He wasn't playing. And they basically got a first round swap, which probably won't happen due to their standings. And they acquired Namina Bielisa for Kelly Olenek, who's basically, some would say, a better version of Kelly Olenek. He can stretch the floor, create for others. So I think basically they got Oladipo and Bielisa for, for nothing. And they trade Bielisa, Mo Harkless, and Chris Silva, who weren't playing at all. So basically you got Bielisa and Victor Oladipo, who I think are going to have a major impact in the playoffs. I don't know about you, but I, those are my winners of the trade deadline right there, the mm-hmm. Miami Heat. Yeah, no, Oladipo is actually the only player to average 20 points per game and get traded twice in one year. And if he ever gets back into form like he was with the Pacers, the year they pushed LeBron James and the Cavs to seven games in the first round, I think that'll be a huge, huge pickup for Miami. Look, he can play defense. He averages 1.3 steals per game. In his prime with the Pacers, he averaged 2.4 steals per game. Look, he is having a decent year coming off an injury two years ago. I do think he provides depth. But look, now they're just stacked in the guard position. They have... Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Oladipo, Butler, Drogic, Iguodala. Am I missing anyone? Like, where? Who's gonna get those minutes? They also added Ariza. They have a lot of. They have a lot of players. I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna balance out the minutes because players like Oladipo, Hero, Butler, Drogic, they need their minutes to produce. So as much as I think they might be able to compete for the second seed, not like overall ranking, but I think like as the number two team in the East, because the Nets are clear out favorites to win everything. I think. Spolstra has his work cut out for him to make this work. Yeah, this team is loaded. Like like you said, they got a lot of players. I'm, I didn't even mention they kept Hero and Robinson, two young pieces. It's going to be tough for Spolstra. He's been there before. Like He's a championship coach. I think he's one of the top five coaches in the league. He'll figure it out. This team is a dangerous team, a very, very dangerous team that no one is talking about. And I don't think anybody in the East wants to match up with them. Uh, but moving on, I think the biggest trade of the deadline, obviously, was uh, the Orlando Magic trading their all-star center, Nikola Vucevic. And Al Farouk Aminu to the Chicago Bulls in exchange for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two first-round draft picks. And I don't know about you, but I love this trade for both sides. The Bulls, they're kind of in a, a weird spot. They got a new GM, new coach. They got a young button star in Zach Levine, first-time All-Star. And they're kind of in the play-in games. They're kind of in a weird spot. Should we try to contend, rebuild for one more year, get another young player? And I just love this love this move. And Nikola Vucevic, he's still got two... I think two years after this season on his contract, he's just entering his prime at the age of 30. I think it's a win-now move. I don't know if they'll be able to make any splashes this year in the playoffs. I think they'll be in the playoffs, definitely. But I don't think they'll be able to make a 
not going to probably make it to the second round, I don't think. But I'm looking forward to the future in the next two seasons. I think I really believe in Patrick Williams. I think he was a steal of the draft. I think next year he's going to take that sophomore jump. I think this team's going to be very legit next year. And I'm looking at a, and I know it's bold, but I'm looking possibly top five, top four next year, possibly. I don't know about you. I really believe in this team. And then also, I mentioned last podcast, I thought the Magic should blow up their team. I love this. Time to rebuild. You got a great draft. You're going to have a top five draft pick this year. You got two other first round draft picks. You got Isaac uh, Fultz coming back healthy. And you get Wendell Carter Jr., who hasn't done too much in Chicago. He's been injured for a bit. He's kind of looking for a new home. And Orlando is a great place to start. I really believe in this scene. I think they're going to be great in probably four or five years. First of all, I have no idea how you just said they're going to be in the top four. When you already have the Nets, you have the Heat, you have the Bucks, you have the Celtics. There's no way they're going to touch the top four. They have the Sixers. Holy, I forgot about the Sixers. But look, I do think they made a solid deal. I think Vucevic is in his prime. He solidifies the center position. You have Markinen, a young talent. He's been injured as well. But you have Levine at the two. You think he's a superstar. I think he's overrated. He's just a player that puts up big numbers on a bad team. We'll see. We'll see if that translates to winning. Because look, they're not even in the... They're the bottom seed with him putting up those numbers, right? So questions for them, though. They have Kobe White. Is he a six-man or a starting point guard? Patrick Williams, is that the draft pick they need now? Or should they have went and got like a player like Tyrese Halliburton? That could have been a solid point guard for them. It's a team to watch. They're like the Hawks for me. They're like one of those teams that are filled with young talent now. And you're wondering where they rank in those teams of young talents. Obviously, to me, the Pelicans have the best core of young talent. The Hawks are there as well. This team is in that little list but you know i know i'm telling you watch out watch out for your team next year I, like i said they're not gonna make any splashes this year i'm telling you watch out next year i said budding supers there this guy's legit zach levine very underrated vucevic very underrated and like i said patrick williams watch out this guy he's a future a future of what though we don't even know if he's a four if he's a three what is he where are you gonna play him with marking in so many questions the Bulls, are there. they're up in the air. I do like that they made a trade. I like it when shitty teams make a trade to try and improve, even if it's not the greatest trade. There's only so much losing one franchise can do. That's my opinion. There were some other notables during the trade deadline. Sneaky moves. JJ Redick to the Mavs. He adds floor spacing for Luka. I think they needed that. It's a new rebirth for JJ Redick. Raptors adding depth in Gary Trent and Rodney Hood for Norman Powell. Look, Norman Powell is having an amazing year. 20 points per game, shooting crazy from the three-point line. I think he was over like 40% right now. They actually just played yesterday. The Raptors are just not good in crunch time right now. We don't have a closer, right? Norman Powell in his first game with the Blazers, he shot five of eight from three. I don't know if it's a big difference for them. I don't know how much of a threat the Blazers will be in the playoffs. But look, Norman got to go get that bag. He's going to get an opportunity to play in Portland. That is what it is, right? But uh, the question I have for you is... I just got to add something about the Raptors. I love the uh, I love the trade for Powell, like I mentioned before. You got to trade him. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., I like him. He's a feisty feisty two-free guard uh, who can defend. But I, still, I can't believe they didn't trade Lauer. I don't know. I just... I don't want to go harp on it too much, but nah, I feel like you, you got to trade it. Even, I know that their asking price are way too high, but I would have definitely traded them for Maxi and a fair sound draft pick, especially if he walks this summer. I'm not saying I have some plan to resign him maybe, but I think even if you trade Lowry, you still got a decent, you still got a good team. doesn't mean you have to rebuild. You still have a playoff team. You got Van Vliet, Siakam, OG, and you get a young, you get Gary Trent coming and you get Maxi and a first round draft pick. I don't know. I thought they should have traded them, but that's for, that's for another long topic. 
Yeah, no. Um, we can talk about this all day, but we don't have all day. Listeners got other things to do. Um, I just had a question for you. Who do you are the biggest losers post-deadline? Yeah, I'm going to go a little outside the box here. I think the Houston Rockets are the biggest losers of the trade deadline. And that goes back all the way to the James Harden trade. This is like one of the best superstars who's ever been traded. And what they got back for him, yeah, it's embarrassing. They basically got nothing back from him. They basically turned James Harden into Kelly Olenek, useless. Avery Bradley, useless. And I don't know the exact number, but it was a bunch of draft picks, first-round draft picks, which might not, might not even be good, depending on how long this Nets team contends. They could have had, I don't know the exact teacher details, but they could have had Jared Allen. They could have had Karis LeVert. While they're not stars or anything, they would have been way better than what they got. I don't know about you, but that's my that's my loser at the trade deadline. Yeah, I know I got a couple teams on the list, but to speak on the Rockets, look, I feel bad for them, but I am a Raptors fan, and we traded away Vince Carter, and we got Eric Williams. Aaron Williams and Alonzo Mourning, who didn't even show up to play. We had to wave him because he refused to come down and play for us. I don't feel bad for them. Yes, they should have probably kept Karis LeVert. <laughs> they got it. They got a they got a bag of rocks for James Harden and sad to say, but that's the NBA, man. These superstars, they will go where they want now. To me, the biggest losers are the Celtics. Every year we hear the Celtics are going to make a huge move. They got all these assets. And to me... They added Evan Fournier for a couple second round picks, but then they lost Daniel Tice. To me, when I was watching last year in the bubble, Daniel Tice was a key factor in beating the Raptors. He provided a low post present. He was blocking shots. He spread the floor. Look, now at the five, all they have is TT and Robert Williams. To me, that's a huge downgrade. Fournier doesn't play defense. He's not the piece that they needed. If I were them, I would have traded for Aaron Gordon. At least he's a big body. You can play small ball with him. I don't know. Unless Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum go on a crazy streak, I don't really see them winning anything. Yeah, obviously, I was looking for them to go after Vucevic. They may have tried to. That would have been the big get for them. But I do like trading Tice away. I got to disagree with you. That guy, he's not. He's decent, but he's a he's a backup center, especially on a playoff team. And I love this move. Uh, they had a log jam at the center position. And this is paving the way for Time Lord Robert Williams. He's legit. He's another guy like class and a young defensive setter that this team needs. He's going to have a big impact, and he should be getting at least 25 to 30 minutes now with Tice gone. They added Fournier, another scoring option, averaging 19 points a game. I think I said, I think I said he was averaging 17 last, last podcast. He's averaging 19, almost 20 points a game. He's pretty legit, and he's going to be coming off probably the bench. That's a great scoring option for them. And I really like, like I mentioned before, Robert Williams. I think he's the key to this team defensively. Obviously, he wasn't the big splash that, that they got, but I still think they can contend. Look, it's not about adding someone who scores 20 points per game. It's a the fact that there's only one basketball, and they have Marcus Smart, who shoots a jump a ton of jump shots. You have Jalen Brown, who needs the ball. You have Jason Tatum, who needs the ball. Kemba Walker needs the ball. Evan Fournier is not going to average 19 points for them. He doesn't play defense, and he disrespected my man T-Mac once. But anyways, to me, the other two low-key losers are the Spurs and the Cavs. The reason I say they're low-key is because, yes, they're not playoff contenders, but they didn't trade LaMarcus Aldridge, even though he only got a $5 million buyout. But you're telling me Pop couldn't trade LaMarcus Aldridge to some team, any team for some, like, a a draft pick. They just let him walk. They could have traded DeMar DeRozan, gotten some more assets, because DeMar DeRozan isn't staying there. He's in a contract year. He's gone. The Cavs, to me, same thing. They had Drummond. I know he has a $28 million contract. He signed with the Lakers. 
But you're telling me you couldn't send them somewhere and get some sort of pieces? The Raptors are looking for a big man. You're telling me you couldn't take anything? You just let them walk? To me, those are like low-key losers. But like, there's a reason why the Cavs are the Cavs. Moves like that. That should have been... They should have gotten something for him. Yeah, no, I think the biggest issue is just like you mentioned, the salary. Like They got massive contracts. It's hard to match a salary in trades. Also, I look at the Spurs. Like They're... Uh, they're a legit organization, people will say. They they treat their people right. And I'm sure Pop is like, Oh, we're not gonna trade you to a shitty team. We'll we'll buy you out. You've been you've been serviceable, you've been good to us for the past I don't know how long he's been there, three or four years, but we're a good organization. We'll buy you out and we'll let you let you reach a contender. Yeah, Demar, like I don't know what you're gonna do. He's probably gonna walk this. He's gonna get a big he's having a pretty good season based on his numbers. He's gonna probably get one more bag. Whether the Spurs were to resign him, probably not. Yeah, Drummond's like I meant same thing. Big contract. No team wants him. I'm really, I don't know about you. I'm really high on him going to the Lakers. I know all the advanced stats. So he's the worst defender in the league, this and that. But if you look at the teams he's played on, he hasn't played on any good teams. He's been to the playoffs twice. He's 0 8 in the playoffs, but they weren't good teams. I think under LeBron, he can evolve. I don't know, that's what I heard. Evolve. He can find, I don't know, a new, a new level. I think LeBron's just going to take him under his wing and he'll be legit. I think he's. Especially against Gobert, if they meet, meet him in the playoffs, or Jokic. He's a big body, great rebounder, which the team needed. I think he's going to be a great pickup. This guy said he's going to evolve, bro. Yo, I'm telling you guys right now, I've said this previously in the podcast, I'm taking applications. Andre Drummond is terrible. The guy is just numbers. No impact on winning. We'll see how he does. It's a whatever move. It's not going to make a big difference. The Nets are clear-cut favorites. I'm going to say that until everyone's annoyed of hearing it. The other loser to me are the Knicks. They currently sit at fifth place. They made zero moves other than what? Releasing Austin Rivers. They traded some no-name players. They lost Mitchell Robinson to a fractured foot. Like You're telling me you guys didn't want to improve at all this year? There was no move you guys could make that would help that team. Nothing. Zero. Nada. Yeah, I'm taking applications to replace you because uh, like if somebody takes your take. I'm like talking about. I disagree, hundred percent. You look at this Knicks team; they're in. I, I just they're in fourth place. Like I didn't even think they were that high. They're winning games, but when it comes to the playoffs, come on, they're not. They're not going to do anything this year. Why trade? I don't know. Why trade away a young prospect or a draft pick to get a veteran presence for or a one year rental when you're not going to do anything? They're not. They're not doing anything in the playoffs. They don't have enough offensive firepower. They're strong defensively, but they're not they're on the they're not gonna beat the top four, top five teams in the East. So I love them to stay put. This is a great year to build. Get some playoff experience going in for the younger guys. Keep building. Get another middle of the round draft pick this year, hopefully. And I'm with Tibbs to start the sky's the limit for them. But I, I disagree with you saying they should have traded for a veteran presence this year. Well, they do have young players that I think are trade assets. Kevin Knox being one of them. He definitely needs a new start somewhere dude was the seventh overall pick you're telling me a team wouldn't give him a second shot anyways before we give our predictions for the rest of the year i got one question to ask you because there was one other player who was included in a whole bunch of rumors that's lonzo ball do you think the pelicans should have traded him in his contract year yeah it's a tough question very tough question um like i said last podcast there's lots of lots of sides for both trading them and keeping them personally if i was a gm I would have tried trading them. Like I mentioned before, they got two young guys, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis. Lonzo's been out injured uh, for the past three or four games. I think they've won three or four straight. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is balling without Lonzo. He's looking legit. I would have tried trading Lonzo, getting the piece to help him. I think they, I still think they can make the playoffs this year. I think they can 
and it may be possibly a first round upset, especially if they work on their defense. No, oh, so I would have tried trading Lonzo at the end of the day, but he's going to get a big payday this summer. So there's an opportunity to po- possibly do a sign trade. A team I'm looking, uh, team my sleeper team before the Chicago Bulls. I think Lonzo would really fit well on that team. So look out for them. But uh, I would have traded and tried to trade him at the deadline and give minutes to Kyra Lewis and Alexander Walker to build this year. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. I truly believe they should have traded Lonzo this year. And if he goes to the Bulls, that solidifies the point guard spot for them. It'll be a solid pickup for the Bulls. It depends on who they give away as well. But man, Zion is balling, balling. So yeah, that, uh, he's legit. Uh, he, I said, watch him against the Mavericks. I mean, Rick Carlisle, I was saying he's basically close to to Shaq that they've ever seen since since Shaq. He's fun to watch and just so dominant. Uh, sky's the yeah. limit for him. He's Shaquille O'Neal, but with point guard abilities. He's bringing up the ball, running the offense, crazy. So, speaking of, let's get our predictions in for the rest of the year. The teams are set, rosters are basically set for the rest of the year. I want some Chuck-style guarantees. I want them guaranteed. What are some guarantees you have going forward? Oh, yeah, listeners, I got some of the hottest guarantees. Hayden certified guarantees coming at you right now. I'm going to start. I'm going to start mild, mild hot sauce. But by the end, I'm going to be scorching some of these takes. My first take, my first prediction for the playoffs is that the Sacramento Kings will make the playoffs. They'll be in a play-in game. They'll win two games against whoever they play against. And I think they'll take they'll make it, they'll take a team of six games. I think this is an up-and-rising team. De'Aaron Fox is playing at a all-NBA level the past two weeks. If you check his stats, he is... He's balling. Buddy Heald's back. He's banging freeze. He had a slow start of the season. He's hitting freeze now. Halliburton, possible rookie of the year. And Anthony Edwards, he hasn't been, ever since LaMelo Ball's injury, he hasn't been playing as well. Halliburton's been solid all year, especially if they make the playoffs. I'd watch out for him. Uh, Harrison Barnes having a career year. I think this is a sleeper team. I'm guaranteeing that they'll make the playoffs. And I think they'll take six, team, uh, six games off of the team in the first round. Any thoughts on that? This guy said the Sacramento Queens, bro. What in the... Yo, bro. Applications, please send them in ASAP. This guy talking about the Sacramento Queens right now. First of all, even if they get into the play-in tournament, they're going to have to play a team like the Lakers, which then brings me to my guarantees. I got three of them. I guarantee the Lakers will be in the play-in tournament. They won't be able to avoid it with these injuries. I guarantee the Nuggets will be in the Western Conference Finals again this year. And I guarantee the Raptors will make the playoffs and take whoever they play to seven games easily. Those are three easy guarantees for the rest of the year. Yeah, those are pretty mild guarantees. Like I said last podcast, I do think the Lakers, they'll be pretty close to the seventh seed. LeBron's going to be out at least for two or three more weeks. I think AD is getting reevaluated next week, but he'll be he'll be out for a bit still. So I expect them. They'll be in a play-in. Nuggets, yeah, like I mentioned before, they got Aaron Gordon. They're a legit team. They'll be right up there going to the Western Conference. And the Raptors making the playoffs. I don't know, man. Like They're they're one and nine their last ten games. They just don't look good. They might make the play-in. They're, the thing about the East is there's like between and like from the fourth seed to the where the Raptors are, I think to the thirteenth seed, there's like four or five games that separates everyone. Like it's really close. So all you have to do is go on like a two or three game win streak, and you're in the playoffs. You're like you got like a seven for six seed. So I I think the Raptors, yeah, they might be able to make it in the play in tournament, or maybe even sneak into a uh, six seed. You never know if they go on a win streak. But I don't think they're they're not making out of the first. They're not taking any team to seven. Uh, I still got two more hot takes. Way way more hot than yours. My prediction is the Phoenix Suns will lose 
in the first round. <laughs> I don't believe in them. I know you're a big believer in them. I don't believe in them. I don't think. I'm not a big Devin Booker fan. I don't think he has. I don't think he's a, a superstar. And oh, Chris okay, Paul. Wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. You're telling me you believe in Zach Levine more than you believe in Devin Booker. No, 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 no. You believe in Zach Levine more than you believe in De- Devin Booker. Yeah. <laughs> and Yo. for the future, like, I think he'll be, obviously Booker's younger, a bit younger, but I'd rather take Zach Levine. Oh my goodness gracious me. Somebody come and strip this man of his basketball card. The only way the Suns lose in the first round is if the Lakers are their first round matchup. There's no way in hell they're losing to anyone else. The West, the bottom of the West is not that strong. That's a crazy take. That is a triple A bogus take. That's what that is. No, I just don't. I still think they have enough. Like I guess it's easy to see a team like Portland beating them in the playoffs. Chris Paul, we know what he is. What is he, 35, 36-year-old point guard? He's having a great season, obviously. But I just don't, they just don't have enough, I don't think. They don't have, who's their, they don't have that third piece, I don't think. Aiden, he hasn't taken a step this year. Bridges, he's improved, but he's not there. I, I think, it's my guarantee. It's a Hayden guarantee. And we'll, we'll look back on this and I'll be right, because I know the Suns are going to lose in the first round. Guarantee. I've had my last prediction, the hottest of them all. I am guaranteeing that the Miami Heat will win the Eastern Conference. They will make it to the NBA Finals for a second straight year. That is my guarantee. That is the that is the prediction that I'm the most confident in. I will go down on this ship. The Miami Heat will win the East. And as a team, no one wants, like I mentioned before, nobody wants to match up with them. They are a legit team. I take Jimmy Butler any day of the week. That guy is a star. That guy's a baller. Especially in the playoffs, he's a guy who you want on your team. He's a winner. Simple as that. He's a winner. I know he hasn't won a ring or anything, but he's a grinder. That's a guy. You saw him in the bubble. You saw him in the finals. He's legit. Bam, he's amazing. I really like Old Depot. He's going he's to infuse a lot of uh, offense into their team and defense. It seems legit. I think no one's standing in the way. Oh, my God. You know what? That is the only take you made that makes somewhat sense. I can, you, Just a recap for our listeners. He said Sacramento Queens make the playoffs and take a team to six games. Yeah, minimum six. Yeah. Crazy. Then he also said the Suns Phoenix will Suns. be out. Yeah, the Suns Curtis will be Arnold. out. That's crazy, 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 crazy. But the Heat, I will tell you, to me, with the moves they made, they are the second best team in the East. But the Nets are not fair. They are not fair. The team they have assembled will, one, ruin Kevin Durant's legacy. Two, James Harden, I'm sorry, you're having a great year, but it'll be an asterisk. Kyrie, get your head together. I don't care if you guys win. Nothing they do to win this championship will make me be like, you know what? Those are some great players. This is a championship to remember in a good way. It'll be a championship to remember in a bad way. I despise the Nets. And if the Heat make it to the finals, I'll go on IG Live and I will shave my head. Guarantee. Oof, that's a that's a ball guarantee. I'm going to hold you to it. Because I'm telling you, the Heat, they're legit. I really do believe in them. And I, uh, all my predictions, they're gonna the, the one that I have the least confidence in is the Kings, but I'm sure the Suns are a first-round exit. Right now they're in the second seed, and you, you're saying the Lakers are going to be in the seventh seed? Lakers versus Suns, first round maybe? They're out. They're out. Okay, okay. no, no, no. But yeah. I just, Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. If the Nets oh, have injuries, I'm not shaving my head. And if the Heat, I mean, if the Suns play the Lakers, then you're right. 
But if that the Lakers are the only team I'm worried about the Suns playing. If not, Suns are going to breeze. They're going to have a solid second round matchup with either the Clippers or the, the Blazers. But, you know, anyways, let's move on to the last segment of our show. As usual, we're going to give our looks at what we're watching for the next up and coming week. What are your games of the week, Aiden? Yeah, I got one game. I got Knicks Mavericks Friday night at 9 p.m. Basically just a battle of offense versus defense. You got one of the best offense with the Mavericks. One of the best defense in the league with the Knicks. Two teams that are fighting for the playoffs. I think it's going to be a battle. I think my prediction for the game, I'm going to go with the Knicks. You know, I kind of said the first podcast, I expect them to fall off. Hey, man, they're not falling off at all. They see they're grinding out wins. I think they'll, they'll find a way to lock down Luka and Porzingis and squeeze away probably like a 110-105 victory. It's not bad. Not bad. I think I got three games on the schedule that I'm watching. I got Nuggets versus Clippers this Thursday, 10 p.m. I think everyone can watch. We got Good Friday, so everyone should be off on the Friday so they can stay up and watch this game. It'll be the new look Nuggets versus the Clippers. That'll be a nice show to see how the Nuggets new look team looks like. We got the Jazz versus the Mavericks. That's just going to be a because I feel I feel like that might be a first round matchup, to be honest. Jazz versus Mavericks. It'll be a nice preview. Then we got the Bulls versus the Suns. I want to see how Vucevic fits in with the Chicago Bulls. I want to see how they incorporate him in the offense, how his defense is going to look. But those are my three Those are my three games for the week. Yeah, no, those are solid games and looking forward to them. But yeah, thank you all for tuning into the Basketball Junkies podcast. The week ahead is going to be filled with NBA news. To keep up, follow us on IG, the Basketball Junkies podcast. Uh, this is your man, Sadie K. And I'm with my boy Slim H signing off. Stay safe, y'all. Peace.